Welcome to Associated, a podcast making venture capital more accessible. I am joined today by my wonderful co-host, Tunde. Tunde, how are you? Hey, Francesca. I'm good, thanks. Yeah, just enjoying the, the first sunny day in London. So, Oh, wow. Happy. Congratulations. <laughs> and what are you doing in London? Because you're normally based in Sweden, is that right? Yeah, well, I came, I came back at the beginning of July just to kind of see friends and family. And I've been waiting for the sun. Um, and I've waited long enough and it's finally arrived. So I'm going back to Sweden next week. Hopefully you don't uh, take the good weather with you. <laughs> but speaking of good vibes, I'm very excited to be introducing our guest today. So it is double travel. It's Henrik and Javan from Playfair Capital. Welcome both. How are you? Not bad, thank you. Sun's out. It's been a nice uh, August and ready to get stuck into a very busy September. Yeah, doing really well, thanks. Nice to meet you both. I'm here. Amazing. Well, I'm very jealous because Berlin is meh weather at the moment. Um, and I like how all four of us have immediately started talking about the weather as, as classic Brits. But actually, although we all have uh, English accents, I think we all have quite interesting backgrounds. I'd love to hear a little bit more about both of your backgrounds, if that's all right. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to go first. I um, yeah started off in, in, in pharmacology back in the day, thought I was going to be a scientist, sold my soul to finance in the end, like quite a few of us uh, ended up doing. So joined the restructuring department at PwC, ended up working with startups for, for a couple of years and loved it. And uh, yeah, decided that I loved it so much that I would go and join VC, came across the guys at Playfair and I joined Playfair at about a year ago now, actually, I celebrated my Playfairversary last week. Um, so it's all it's all very new and exciting still. It's been trademarked. You had it here first. <laughs> um, and yeah, like, I, I, uh, I think I started out um, on the VC journey by accident. Um, I founded my own company back when I was at university. There was an app called Rendezvous um, that was designed to find the middle point between people in a city show you how to get there um, and suggest places to go. So it's like a super simple version of a city map of Meet Yelp. Really fun, but not a great business as I've since figured out. Um, If I'd pitched myself back then, I would have rejected it pretty quickly, but I loved it. I also got into sort of crowdfunding um, while I was studying. So sitting in the back of a lecture theater, looking at pitch decks and pitch videos, um, investing in a couple of companies. Some were terrible. I invested in a cauliflower rice company, but I also invested in a couple of the fintechs that ended up doing really well, like Monza and Revolut and so on, um, like probably half of London. I sold so I was an investment banker for a couple of years, which is a necessary evil. Learned a huge amount in the process. And then, yeah, I met the guys at Playfair and Proof Up Coffee of all places. I met Joe and then, yeah, the rest is history. Awesome. And, and quite interesting, Henrik, that you went from startup to banking. What was the kind of motivation behind that? I think a lot of people around me at the time were probably the opposite motivation was more don't do the startup, go into banking. It's a safe job, which it probably is. That probably is correct. It's safe. It's a safe job. But I, I still think in hindsight, even though I didn't love my banking experience, I think they work very hard. You don't have a great work-life balance. Um, and it's not particularly inspiring work. You do learn a huge amount. And I think the only time in my life I'd ever want to do that job would be straight out of university. Yeah, I'd love to go and be involved more like operationally probably in a startup one day. But I think that balance of doing something as a side hustle with having that, you know, not quite nine to five 
more like nine to midnight job. It was quite a good balance through uni and just after uni. And um, maybe it would be great to hear a bit more about how you you made your way to Playfair, both of you. It's funny. So whenever I get asked this question, I have to kind of go back and think about the first time I ever came across Playfair. It was actually through Female Founder Office Hours, which I'm sure we'll, we'll chat about later. But actually, I got in touch with Playfair through the guys at, at PER, which is a which is a recruitment agency. And uh, shout out to Alex there, who, who was great. Um, I had an idea of the type of fund that I wanted to work at. I knew the types of people I wanted to, do, to work with, the types of investments I wanted to make. And, and, and the stage was really important to me. So working super early stage. And then from there, I just kind of worked backwards made sure that I let everyone in my network, I made sure that I let Alex know um, exactly what it was that I was that I was looking for. And luckily, at just exactly at the same time, Playfair happened to be looking for an associate. So they put me in touch. It was a pretty long process. In hindsight, I think it, it was probably about seven, a seven stage process, which spanned over a number of weeks. But a lot of it was kind of coffee chats and getting to know the team. And it was really informal. And I love the whole process. It was bloody intense I won't lie but it was uh, it was really fun and I really enjoyed it so yeah I, I I think at the end of that I kind of knew that this was this was a fun for me and yeah equal shout out to, to Alex Hawken on my side but the process I suppose from when I started thinking about applying to jobs in venture was I literally applied to every job I could possibly have gone into so I applied to other banks just to check that it wasn't my bank that I hated I only had to do one of those interviews and I realized I, I definitely hated it all the way through to startups I applied to some startup jobs growth equity funds. I literally tried everything and I sort of wanted to know where the edges were. I wanted to know what I was saying no to potentially. And then through that process, I ended up filtering down to actually loving this really early stage part of venture where it's much more people-based rather than quantitative and it's much more uh, human, I might argue. And then, yeah, I sort of met the team at Playfair, had a similar process to, to Jivan. I think I did a investment presentation on human in the loop AI, which at the time I thought was going to be my big thesis. I'm not sure it's massively caught on. Um, I think it's more become like part and parcel of almost any AI company, to be honest. I also did an investment memo on a company called Juno Bio, who I think are still doing really well. Some really interesting research into the microbiome and how much that can actually affect the uh, the health of your body, um, basically from like the tiny part of your gut. Very cool. And I really like the combination, although you've had very different paths you've kind of had the startup experience that hustle as well as the corporate experience and and on this note I I feel like it would not be proper not to mention the fact that Javon you started a podcast as well so do do you think that that also helped you land the role at Playfair? Yeah so around the time that I started thinking about moving into VC I wanted to find ways to kind of stand out and be more than just kind of another accountant at PwC so I looked into basically setting up my own podcast we called it When Unicorns Fly it's available on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, plug is over I promise it was basically bringing together experts from um, kind of legal, marketing, fundraising um, to give 30-minute sessions for startup founders and I love the whole process. It was really cool. And I think what was really helpful about that process was I got to meet people who then introduced me to people. And in VC, where network is everything, um, knowing people, getting introductions and learning from other people's experiences is everything. It was a really good way to just be able to message people on LinkedIn and say, hey, can I have half an hour of your time? Which is quite nerve wracking, but 
if you have a reason to do it, they seem to be a little bit more receptive. And I had some amazing guests come come on and uh, give up their time. So yeah, I really, really enjoyed doing it. I don't know, how have you guys found setting up your, your podcast? Yeah, well, um, for me, I, I had a similar story as how I ended up meeting Project A. So I can I can only sort of repeat what, what you've been saying is that it's a fantastic way to build your network and have the opportunity to speak to amazing people such as yourself. But I'm curious to know, Tendi, how, how your answer to this question would be. Yeah, I, I consider myself almost like a Veruca in the foot of <laughs> podcast. So I you know none of the work. I've just kind of attached myself to the day to day clinging on for dear life. But I, I mean, I think it's 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 been quite interesting joining because there's really like a brand and a, a kind of philosophy, etc. So I'm trying just like not to break stuff um, and, and be helpful in whichever way is possible. But when when unicorns fly is I'm not going to lie is a, is a much better name than our podcast name. <laughs> You've got to not, talk to Lois about that, Tony. Don't pick a fight with me here. <laughs> Do you know it actually it actually came from um, I sat down and we were desperately trying to come up with names. My co-host Tom and I, and it came from when pigs fly. When pigs fly, ah, oh, unicorns, billion pound company. Let's just merge the two together. So yeah, we we were quite happy with it in the end, but. Tinde, I have to say you're being very modest considering um, I hear you're editing this episode. So <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah, this is this is me figuring out how to be helpful. <laughs> um, amazing. But I think we've teased our, our listeners long enough in terms of giving a few snippets of information of what Playfair's thesis is, the kind of people that they hire. But it would be great to get an overview of, of Playfair and actually very much to what Tunde was saying is that you you joined the company when it had you know, been been around for a while, but it was at the time, particularly yourself, Henrik, where it was going through a big revamp. So you had opportunity to shape and, and continue to do so. So it'd be great to hear sort of a little bit about the story and when you both arrived, how you you shaped it over, over the course of time. Yeah, of course. Um, that was a really exciting time when I joined back in 2019 because we just launched Fun 2. But I suppose to rewind slightly um, to the beginning of Playfair, our founder, Fede, started out as an angel investor um, around 2011. He just heard about the angel investing scene, thought this is an incredible way of having a really big impact by getting to know people, basically, was how he started. And technology felt like it was at the core of that thesis. Um, so he made 20, 30 angel investments just on his own, realized that actually you can only do so much as an individual um, if you can put a team around you that can you know provide a lot more portfolio support can do follow-on funding you can build a brand around the fund your impact can be multiplied by more than just the the sum of the parts in the team so that's what he did in 2013 created playfair became the sole lp behind us and has kind of remained in that role ever since and basically our thesis i suppose is really continuing that angel DNA from when he started, which means in reality, being very flexible, being very hands-on, you know, building with founders almost as like a third or second or fourth co-founder, you know, an additional fund type co-founder. And then also just being human, you know, being there on the bad days, being a bit of a mentor, being on WhatsApp, the sort of things that no one talks about, but is actually incredibly important. So yeah, what we've tried to do, I suppose, since Fund 2 and Fede stepped back to be more of a chairman role rather than a direct investing role is just continued the culture he set out and try and build out the team. So, you know, Jeevan joining last year, um, Andrew joined last week. Yeah, it's just been really exciting, exciting times kind of building on that foundation, I suppose. But Jeeves um, can talk more to the last year than I can. Yeah. So I, I suppose at the beginning of Fund 2 a couple of years ago, it was 
building out kind of this almost this new thesis almost kind of a brand new team and then since I joined from the last year it's kind of been really expanding that and, and scaling it and growing so speaking to more founders having a bigger portfolio and, and really having more founders to support really getting ha- having more investors in our network that know us and, and know the value that we bring but of course as a small fund and a small team there's always all the kind of bits on the side as well so the bits that no one really ever talks about all the kind of the website stuff and the uh you know the social the social side as well I I, I still think we have some of the best uh, socials in in London which is definitely something that we've kept from FedEx uh, FedEx days and FedEx ethos and really just kind of getting stuck into everything ultimately I sometimes feel like we're a bit of a startup ourselves so we kind of all do everything we all get stuck in into kind of every aspect of the fund and I think that's what makes it really fun it makes it really really diversified as a as a job role and and perhaps speaking of you know like the the Playfair brand in general I think one thing which I've noticed uh is that you guys are really active on the the kind of office hour side and um letting kind of founders who maybe have less access to capital come to you so would be interesting to hear a bit about how you think about that internally Maybe I can start with, I suppose, the history to female founder office hours and then Jeeves, you can talk about what we've done in the last year. It actually weirdly all started with an investment we made into Vine Health, um, which is founded by Raina and Georgina, so two women founders. Um, and then writing the press release for that, we realized that that was a 1% deal or less than a 1% deal, which just, it almost like made us, it was ridiculous and it almost made us kind of borderline angry, frustrated at the kind of state of things. Um and so we just said, like, look, what we what can we do? Like, how can we help as a really early stage fund? Um, we realized we're friends with most people because we're very small and very early stage. So we never really compete with that many other people. And so let's create a forum where we can break down these barriers to network. We can put everyone on the level playing field, give people access to investors and start with women founders, which are 50% of the world. So that's not a bad place to start and cuts across many different other divides. So that's what we started with in, in 2019. Back then, it was about a dozen investors and 20 or 30 founders in our office here in, in Warner Yard. I'll let the chief and talk about where we've got to now, but it's it's just been a way of um, sort of collaborating with the ecosystem. I think that's been the real ethos behind it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, from the 11 investors that we had and a, and a few dozen founders, we've now done five editions of office hours we've had 700 founders go through the program we've done 2800 one-on-one mentoring sessions and in the last edition we had 90 investors signed up so investors from all across Europe the likes of Project A, uh, Sequoia, uh, Atomico, Boulderton, IQ Capital really really good coverage kind of across a lot of the funds in Europe and I guess kind of you know at this point it's definitely worth saying that we're so super grateful to all of those investors that give up their time to to attend and and to mentor the founders as well we probably get asked on kind of almost a daily basis uh, from a new fund whether they can get involved and I think that really shows how the whole industry recognizes that this is a problem that we all need to collectively try to try to solve and it's not something that we can really kind of hide anymore or ignore and it's really nice to see how, how committed everyone is to making making things happen and making things change. So I hope that we're going to see that translate into more funding for women, because ultimately that is the aim of this initiative. It is to provide access to investors and to increase the amount of funding that women 
founders get. It's something that we're always tracking, we're always looking at. But so far, we've had a number of really good success stories. And more importantly, it, it seems like just having that access and, and being able to expand the network that these founders have is the first step. The first step. And uh, yeah, hopefully we keep growing from there. That's absolutely amazing. And I, I really love the, the initiative. And actually, spoiler alert, that I had an internship at Playfair just before Henrik. And I love um, how th- this team has encapsulated, as you said, Fede's ethos of inclusivity and, and making sure people um, have uh, a door that opens. And I think that's, that's such a, a powerful message. And I love how you've inspired other investors to get involved. And I suppose my, my question is, what does the, the future of female office hours look like for Playfair? Is it going to be just as amazing as it is today? Or have you got grander visions for it? So in the last edition that we did, we, we made a couple of changes. So we started using an AI matchmaking tool to make the, the matches between founders and investors as relevant as possible. We expanded to the EU um, and we also had Google for startups join us as well. So we, ha- we, we had a lot of kind of operational changes, which were uh, challenging, but also really fun. I think really the aim is just to continue doing three uh, three programs, three initiatives a year, and to just keep expanding and increasing the number of founders and investors that we have. I'm conscious that some are probably going to run out of uh, women founders, but that's okay because it means that people can come back and they can do it two, three, four times, which is absolutely okay by us. We'll keep running these programs. We'll keep doing it as long as it keeps add- adding value. So far, the feedback is that it is it is doing that. But yeah, we'll just keep keep growing, keep expanding and uh yeah seeing seeing uh hopefully the effect on the amount of capital that women are fundraising what what do you what would you say is the most surprising thing that you've discovered since you started the office hours i'd say it's it's a, it's kind of a couple of things wrapped into one I, I don't think it's necessarily surprising that a lot of investors have got behind it because i think it's clearly a very important mission but i think the way that they've genuinely got behind it and a attending it not just for um, deal flow reasons, but actually to be there as mentors. Um, so we've actually introduced something recently, I think a couple of editions ago, where everyone's basically committed to taking on one of the founders they meet as a mentee beyond the program up until the next event. These are kind of time commitments that are actually much beyond you know the usual commitment that people put into office hours. And I think it shows that people are willing to genuinely help the people they're meeting rather than just tick certain boxes. And I think on the other side of the coin, a lot of the founders, which we've really tried to encourage, have come to this asking for help, not just for funding. Because if you just go straight in for funding, you're only really asking someone to judge you on what you have today. You haven't got the chance to necessarily improve yourself, improve your business, improve the way you're pitching it. So we've really tried to frame these as office hours rather than um, and mentoring hours more than like pitching. And I'd say that's not, I don't know if that's surprising, but I think that's been something that's been, yeah, I suppose it's been a, it's been a nice surprise, a positive surprise. Yeah, no, I, I and I can understand that approach and just speaking to, to female founders, I think having that more advisory, it's less pressure. It means that you can be a bit more honest. It means that you can kind of think, okay, maybe the tables have turned and I can look for the right mentor for myself rather than having to do a gazillion 
pictures and and feel totally uh, overwhelmed by the whole experience. So I think it's really exactly. a great label. But actually, I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into the process at at Playfair from a founder's perspective. As as I just mentioned, it's often quite a stressful experience, as as stressful as the interview process of getting into Playfair from the sounds of it, but but I'm sure a very positive experience. But I'd love to learn a little bit more about that that process and and um you know what what you value in founders and and what you hope to get out of the process along the way to make a decision to invest. Um so yeah, I mean the process can start from a number of in a number of ways. So we've got an application on our website that founders can upload their pitch deck. We go through every single one of those pitch decks and usually two of us go through them as well to make sure that we're not missing anything and also to discuss and bounce ideas off each other. It might start with a LinkedIn message from one of us through outreach, it might start a demo day. There's so many different ways to get in front of the team at Playfair. And I would definitely say that, you know, submitting the pitch deck through our website is is a guaranteed way to be able to do it. From there, we usually will make a first meeting. A first meeting can be anything like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Um, it's usually a chance just for us to start getting to know the founder, start building a relationship and vice versa for them to ask loads of questions about us, ask about Playfair. I always say that founders should be grilling us just as much as we're grilling them. Ultimately, you're bringing an investor onto your business. So of course, you should be vetting them and making sure that they're right for your business. And then from there, it can just really depend on kind of the timescale and, and how quickly the founder wants to close their round. We can move as quickly as kind of two weeks. It might take a little bit longer than that. And usually it's all framed around the founders meeting each of our team members, either individually or in pairs, and really kind of covering different elements of the business, whether it's financials, whether it's market, competition, of course, the product. But ultimately, the goal of all of that is for us to understand them better and for them to understand us better. In that kind of whole process behind the scenes, we do a lot of our digging, we do kind of our due diligence. Um, that can be maybe as asking up front for access to your data room, um, but it might also just be as doing kind of desktop research, going looking looking into your 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 competitive landscape. It might be doing calls with uh, people that we know in our network that that are from the same market or for them from the same space. It might be doing customer reference calls, and it might actually be ordering the product as well, which is uh, an unexpected perk of a job. I've had a lot of meal boxes, which I've got to try out. And I can say that my boyfriend, it, that's definitely his favorite part of my job, that I, I get a mailbox turn up every few weeks and I get to try it out um, and give loads of feedback to the founder afterwards as well. So there's kind of no typical journey in terms of how long it takes, in terms of how it goes. But if there is kind of one collective aim of that whole process as I said it definitely is for 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 us to kind of start building that two-way relationship and understanding whether we have the chemistry between Playfair and and, and the company. And I suppose just to add to that in terms of how what we're looking for in founders very intangible obviously it's almost like an interview process it's maybe another way of thinking about it to leave aside everything about your business if we're just focusing on what we look for in the people which is probably at least half of the reason we invest, if not more. I think a couple of things are probably worth talking about. One is just evidence of an above and beyond passion. Um, 
and I'd like phrase that carefully because it doesn't mean you need to have done 20 years in your industry to be an industry expert. It doesn't mean you need to have a particular amount of experience. It just needs to show, you just need to show that you have already done more than almost anyone else among your peers to figure out what is a sudden problem. Um, ask your ask your questions and to really like dig into the the core assumptions behind why there's a problem in the business. That's more important than almost anything else. Like when we invest in Recycleye, you know, they built a prototype with a GoPro and a treadmill. And that was their way of testing out that their vision for having robotic arms and, you know, waste facilities could be a reality. So that's one point. The second one is succinct mastery of their business and their pitch. You know, if you're able to basically answer any question in a minute and then suggest that you could continue speaking for as long as possible, but you've only said anything in a minute, that answers two questions. One, that you can be succinct and ask the, answer the main part of it, but also that you can continue talking and you don't need to talk about the rest. And the third one would be something like flexibility. You know, don't go into every pitch like a rehearsed robot. You know, come into it, adapt to the person on the other side of the table, on the other side of the Zoom, try and have a conversation because it comes across very wooden um, when you just try to, you know, rehearse a pitch. So those are a few half thoughts, half tips maybe to, to founders on how to approach interviews with VCs, I suppose, is another way of thinking about it. Maybe, maybe to, to go back to something you said um, in, a, in a previous answer, Henrik, you mentioned that going into Playfair, you had this, this kind of thesis around, around kind of human in the loop AI. And just really interested to know from, from both, both you and uh, Javan, are there any other theses that you, you have cooking right now? I think there's a very small one around sort of embedded finance. I think there's a way in which we started out with the really big, hairy, obvious problems. You know, five years ago, everyone was starting out talking about challenger banks. And, you know, that's the very core of it. You know, how can you start with a bank account that actually works for you? I think now we're thinking of, um, you know, second or third layer problems and solutions. And if you can embed finance directly into the way that people buy their products and, and so on, like Klarna are doing, for example, but maybe one step further into insurance, you know, haven't necessarily seen a brilliant version of that yet. It could potentially provide people with access to certain products that they don't have or aren't able to find. And insurance is a great example of that. A lot of people just aren't insured because they don't get around to it. They don't know about it. They're not educated, whatever the reason. So if you can embed that at the point of sale, I think that could be really interesting. And there's lots to be done around there. So I, I, I look at a, another kind of logistics and supply chain deal flow that we get at Playfair. It's one of the unsexy, sexy things that I never thought I'd be interested in, but I am, which was a surprise to me. But I think one, one area that's really interesting is just looking at how we're going to digitize what is known to be a very antiquated industry with perhaps some kind of generally technophobic people who might not have kind of that exposure to the tech bubble that we're very much accustomed to kind of living in and, and, and seeing. So digital freight forwarding was a very hot space last year and logistics generally has been a really hot space for investors, but I'm excited to see how we can kind of continue looking at different, different points in the supply chain, whether it's warehouses, whether it's ports, and really understanding how we can make the process as efficient as possible by embedding technology in, in, in the process. Super interesting. What I've seen, and do correct me if I'm wrong, is that rounds are just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, even in pre-seed. Um, you know, the, the, you wouldn't bat an eyelid these days with a four million 
pre-seed round with a piece of paper. And, you know, there's, there's boasts, or there's you know, VCs bragging left, right and center of these coaster term sheets. Um, and um, from my understanding, Playfair invests up to 500K. And, you know, you want to get a decent amount of equity into those rounds. And so you're even going now pre, pre-seed round angel stage and I was wondering, that's like a very hard um, market in a way to tap into because you haven't got uh, the crunch bases and pitch books of this world to, to dive into. So I would love to hear a little bit more other than your amazing initiatives, such as the Female Founders Office Hours, and um, both of you write insanely good content um, and I would encourage all our listeners to, to check out their medium and yeah but I'd also like to understand a little bit more what other avenues are you diving into these days yeah I feel like we have to get really creative um, just for the reasons that you mentioned Francesca you know there is no crunch base that we can go to and I think that's what actually makes the job really interesting so for example as I mentioned earlier we, we, we do um, some outbound so we, there are certain things that we look for in founders or that we look for in the companies that we want to invest in. So we might do outbound um, in order to um, look for those, those particular parameters and, and characteristics and just reach out directly to founders on LinkedIn or, or, or Twitter. So that's one, well, that's one fun way of doing it. I think another is also just being really open to chat to founders or people who might be thinking about starting their own business. I've had a lot of conversations that were mentoring chats or they were just chats to kind of give founders a lay down the, the lay of the land around uh, VC funding and then realize six months later that actually they've started their own company. And then suddenly actually Playfair is a fund that they want to talk to, uh, maybe because of the help that we might have provided earlier. So, yeah, definitely, I think being willing to give in order to, to in order to get um, is is another thing that I would suggest. And then finally, uh, you touched on it again, Francesca, but writing, thought leadership, getting out there in front of people, speaking to people. I think there are so many founders, uh, there are so many investors that founders aren't quite sure what those investors are investing in, what their thesis is, what they're interested in. So I think the more vocal you can be about what you like and what you're looking for, effectively, the easier you're making it for founders to come and find you when they are looking for the type of funds that they want to approach. So yeah, I think those are some examples of, uh, of what we do. I don't know, Henrik, if you would add to that. Yeah, geez, you covered like most of the key bases that I think the only things to add would be, we actually love cold inbound. I think a lot of VCs either ignore it or sort of end up ignoring it in terms of a priority. Um, and usually that's purely because we don't have time. It's just, we'd all love to do more, but we don't have time. I think we've tried to encourage many more people to apply to us through our cold inbound and reply to every single person within two weeks, because that's another way of breaking down some of these traditional barriers. Um, not everyone can get a warm introduction um, and usually it's certain groups that can. Um, so building a process around that to actually make it feasible and efficient for us as a team using like various automations, particularly around Zapier and Typeform and a few other tools um, has been has been really, really helpful and, and actually found two or three different deals through that through that source. And I think more broadly, just using low code, no code tools that are out there to try and automate some of these processes has just been something that I personally found really fun and exciting. It's almost like being, building a product within Playfair as a startup. Um, so we've done that also for our for our outbound. 
Um, I'm not trying to pretend I'm an engineer or a data scientist by any means. I tried to learn to code and I'm still pretty crap at it. But you don't need to learn to code these days. You can use some really, really good um, tools out there. So I'd really recommend people who are trying to figure out how they can build new ways of finding companies to just find a, find an angle, get on a bit of low-code software like Zapier, um, and just try and try and build a few automations, and you'll find it's pretty easy to do, actually. There's a reason we call Henrik the uh, the chief process optimizer. <laughs> what what uh, automation are you most proud of? I think the I think our inbound channel now is I think it's taken two years since when I first started reviewing those companies basically direct through email to now. Um, I think we have a process where if we do it properly as a team, you know, we can basically review every pitch that we get in a week within a couple of hours every single email and meeting is scheduled in one click. Um, and it just takes away all of the admin and all the administration. It just means we can spend time looking at the decks and speaking to the founders, which is, yeah, it's been a, a great sort of result, I think. Spin that out into a startup, Henrik, and, and we'll get a coaster over to you here at <laughs> Project A. <laughs> I think, Henrik, you'd make a lot of VCs around the world very happy if you could spin that out and make that a product. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I've been tried and failed way too many times. I'm not going to be on that in that graveyard. Um, amazing and hot off the press. I saw that you have recently made a new hire. Would love to learn a little bit more about the decision to add a new member to the team, and you know whether the internship program is still happening because I know that's an absolutely fantastic program. Um, yes. A little bit more on those two things, please. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, Andrew, um, Andrew Sheffield joined last week. Super excited to have him join the team. He survived, as you alluded to, the long and rigorous interview process at Playfair, which he, he still claims that he loves. Uh, I don't know if he's going to tell us that in three months when he's bedded in. But uh, he's an incredibly smart guy and he's gone above and beyond in a million different ways to learn about this industry, to show that he's passionate about this job. Started out as a poker player, a professional poker player in Vancouver. I won't tell any more than that because you need to meet him and get the full story. I won't ruin that. And then worked a, um, in a startup before this as well. So he's seen many different sides of the VC world from actually being on the sales and, and kind of founder side operationally, all the way through to negotiating and being at the very heart of uh, um, you know any high stakes game, which is fundamentally what we're playing. So that's just, I suppose, a, a few words on Andrew. I don't know, geez. You want to say, add anything else? Yeah, so Francesca, as you mentioned, we've had a six-month internship program for the past two years, I think it is now, and we've had um, three interns go through that. So we had Ali, who went on to join um, a biotech fund. We've had Jeremy, who's gone on um, to join Hatch as an investor, and then we've also had Cushy as well, who's who, who left to um, go go start her own startup. So it was super. It, it, it was it was great to have all three of them join us but what we found was that as soon as they left we really missed them and we felt like we wanted them to stay for longer so what we decided to do with the the analyst program is basically extend it and and have someone join us that gets to stay with us longer gets to continue learning for us um, beyond the six months and actually becomes a fully embedded member of the team as well so that's that's basically Andrew that's that's the analyst that we've been looking for and in terms of the internship program at this stage we are we don't have any openings that we're looking for 
but I would always suggest that if anyone is looking for a role at Playfair, just follow our company accounts on LinkedIn and Twitter. We post everything there first. And also actually all, all of the team. I think we're, we're pretty active on, uh, on LinkedIn, as my friends uh, often joke about. So, yeah, if you follow us on there, you'll, you'll see any postings before, you're, before, before anyone else. So you, you heard it here first. Please do reach out to the, uh, the Playfair team. As Francesca already mentioned, they have cracking content. Just a, just a question for you. Are there any specific types of, of people you want reaching out? I would say, I mean, for any founders that might want advice or that think that their business is relevant for Playfair and you heard the thesis from Henrik earlier, then definitely do reach out. You can. The best way to, to do that is through our application form on our website. It means that you'll definitely get a response and guaranteed within 14 days as well. But if you do want to reach out to us, directly then we're all on LinkedIn and Twitter I think for the founders where we might not be so relevant i.e you're fundraising a series a a series b I, I I would I would suggest that it's probably more relevant to reach out to investors that are at that stage um, of investment but having said that we all mentor founders we all chat to like like chatting to founders that are uh, in the same space as us and uh, helping wherever we can so yeah, feel free to reach out. Yeah, I'd, I'd echo everything on the founder side that Jeeves has said. For anyone looking to get into VC, anyone in their early stage of their career, feel free to reach out, but definitely read some of the posts that we've written uh, personally and as a team. I recently wrote something about the last couple of years I've, I've been in VC and things I've learned about yeah, lessons from starting in day one all the way through to you know how to try and sit on a board and how to feel like you can add any sort of value and facing imposter syndrome all these kind of questions that I think many people have we've also written some as a team about how we all got into venture capital so you can get lots of different perspectives from from the whole team if you are reaching out for us or for anyone else out there I'd really suggest having a bit of an angle or showing that you've read someone's uh, writing or something like that because we do get a lot of people trying to connect on on various channels and you ultimately don't have time to speak to everyone it's just physically impossible so if you really want to speak about something specific make sure you put that in like a note make your message stand out in some way that creativity can can go a long way and um yeah we'd love to share some more thoughts beyond the beyond the blog post amazing well i can't think of a better tip to finish the podcast on and i just wanted to say a massive thank you to to both of you obviously Playfair has a very very soft spot in my heart and um, for getting me started into the venture capital world so it's been a real privilege to get to speak to to you both today so thank you thank you so much for having us on it's been really good fun and, and if you did enjoy this episode please make sure to subscribe to or follow associated on twitter which is at associated pod and email us at associated podcast at gmail.com take care thanks bye